0: So my name is Molly Chenault and I'm the Public Services Librarian at the Emporia Public Library. And today is September 15th, 2020. So if you could say your name. I am Michelle Zumbrum and 46 years old
1: and i a I'm a licensed master's social worker. Right now I'm currently working at St. Francis Ministries. I'm called an aftercare permanency specialist. What I do is I work with families that have been reunified or reintegrated, like for the first six months after everyone's home together, I give them support to make sure that the transition's successful. I have two teenagers, one smelly dog, and I'm a crazy cat lady who loves to read. I literally feed, I have three indoor cats, but all together on any given day, it could be between 12... 10 or 12 cats that I that my son and I feed.
0: Michelle, when did you first hear about the coronavirus?
1: I remember reading about it in Time magazine when it was still very much localized in China. Probably, I want to say November of last year. I remember hearing about it on on the news. I remember seeing Uh, the Chinese, you know, video of Chinese populace wearing their mask, but I didn't think much of it at the time. So,
0: yeah, it was last fall. As it started getting kind of closer to home, maybe in February or early March, uh, what was your reaction at that time?
1: My first reaction was, I remember the week before everything went down, we went into shutdown, and it was right as things were starting to amp up, and I remember I went and saw, I'm not going to say her last name correctly, Louise Erdich at Haskell University on the Wednesday before everything went into lockdown. And I remember being kind of iffy about that, but I also remember thinking that I had just been to church a few days before and I was around nurses and doctors and they didn't seem that scared. They didn't seem that nervous. And so if the nurses and doctors I go to church with seemed okay with everything, then it should be safe. And then that was the Wednesday before everything came to lockdown. And then the Friday before, so just a couple of days later, my daughter and I were in Topeka celebrating her birthday. I remember we went to a tattoo parlor. parlor. We wanted to get tattoos. My mom died in January, and we wanted to get tattoos to memorialize her. And I remember sitting there and listening to the news. And that's what the news was focused on, was the the COVID, COVID-19 or corona or Hunan, whatever they were, whatever they were calling it at the time. So I've just always called it COVID-19, but I remember listening to it and then that started to sink in like, oh, it's here. This is this might be a big deal. And then everyone panicking about the toilet paper. I don't think I'll ever forget that day my daughter and I were in Topeka. We stopped to get toilet paper because I thought, well, I'm not, not panicking. I just wanted like a four pack. Just Mm -hmm. didn't, I had like Four rolls at home, but I wanted just extra just to get me through. And there was literally one roll of toilet paper at the Walmart Supercenter in Topeka on Wanamaker. And to get that one roll of toilet paper, my daughter had to climb because she's an athlete and she's like 17, and she had to climb up things and like this big metal rack and she had to grab this and we still have this picture of her holding this one roll of toilet paper because I thought that was a moment that needed to be memorialized. You know, what we have to do to get through to make sure we have toilet. Yeah, so that was probably when it started sinking in that this is gonna become a thing, this is is real. Um, Because, you know, I'd seen other, you know, throughout my lifetime, throughout my adulthood, I had seen other news stories coming out of China about like SARS and other things. And, you know, they'd always talked about, like, global pandemics or whatever, but I'm just going to interject some of my own personal politics in here. It was handled effectively enough under all the other presidents, Bush and President Obama, that it never became a pandemic. So I, of course, stupidly felt like this would probably simmer down before it became huge. And I don't know if that even answers your question. I have a tendency to be very tangential, so.
0: Yeah, no, that does answer the question.
1: Do any of your family members live at home with you? I have a teenage, not a teenage son, a 20 year old son. He just turned 22 weeks ago. He lives at home with me. And then I have a teenage daughter and she lives with her stepdad, but she comes to visit a couple of times a week and then just a bunch of animals. So, but no other extended family or anything.
0: So when did the pandemic start to affect, like, your daily life?
1: Well, the week after spring break, so that would have been, what, the second week of March, we were basically told to go work from home. Like, our office closed, Mm -hmm. and we weren't supposed to be in the office. There were a couple of us who continued to work in the office, but almost everyone started working from home. And I remember carrying Lysol, a can of Lysol in my purse. So anytime I would go anywhere, I would spray as soon as I, before and after I touched anything. So yeah, so it was probably the second second or third week of March when I could really feel, that's when I, for the first, cause we're what, six months, seven months into this, the first five and a half, six months, like I only ever went to work shopping, grocery shopping once a week and home. You know, my big highlight of the week was sitting on my front porch on a Friday night drinking beer and reading a book. I've loosened up a little bit. A couple of weeks ago, I started going to restaurants again, but it was literally like six months where I would not eat in in a restaurant. Everything was either drive through, delivery, contactless delivery, or curbside or whatever. So
0: And are you are you back in the office now?
1: Yeah, I'm one of those people that I managed to stay in the office. There's only like three of us who managed to stay in the office. I don't like working from home because I, for a couple of reasons, Uh, my home's small. My son is taking classes through the VoTech or well, Flint Hills Technical College, as well as Transitions, which is like a special ed program for young adults. And sometimes when I was trying to work from home, having both of us work and do the Zoom stuff, became problematic. I also have a tendency anyway to take work home with me a lot and think about it and dream about it and worry over it. And I have worked really hard on keeping good boundaries for my job in my home. So I managed to just try to keep that boundary so I could work in the office because it just feels intrusive. Having to be my computer and my work phone at my home all the time just feels super intrusive. I work with other people who absolutely love working from home. Mm-hmm. That's just not my experience.
0: That, that makes sense. I know it really hits a lot of people different ways. We had a lot of big or what felt like big and very fast changes. Was there anything that changed slowly and you maybe only noticed it after a little bit Things that I think change
1: slowly what I I don't want to say I th- think, think what I one thing I have noticed not necessarily a slow change but what I have noticed is the way people's reactions to it have changed throughout I know some people who the first two or three months were very scared about it and wouldn't do anything and were very adamant I'm gonna work from home and I'm not gonna go to the grocery store anymore than I have to. And then other people, like I started off more relaxed. I don't want to say more relaxed because I've always taken it seriously, but not, not panicking. But I've seen a group of like the people I'm around. They vacillate back and forth between taking it very seriously. I'm going to mask up, wear gloves, going to glyce all everything to sort of like almost fatalistic, nihilistic. Like, okay, when the hell am I going to get it? Whatever, we're all going to get it sometime. I don't know. I've just seen the array and watching people go back and forth. As far as my personal life, things that have slowly changed, like I said, not getting out. It's not getting out as much, not spending as much money because I'm not out as much. That's been kind of a nice change. Although, like I said, I've kind of relaxed in the last couple of weeks, which means I'm spending more money. One thing I was really glad about is I have read a lot of people, you know, when you're on Facebook or social media, a lot of people talk about Amazon Prime and getting things sent to them or whatever. And I really didn't buy for the first like five or six months. I didn't, I refused to buy anything extraneous because I was just for sure that everything was going to tank and we were all going to end up in bread lines. And so I wasn't going to spend extra money on books or clothes or anything besides the necessities.
0: So what is your, what is your job situation kind of like now? Have there been a lot of changes for you as far as the way you do your job?
1: Yeah, that was really hard for me. Starting, like I said, in mid-March, all of April, all of May, we had to do all of our visits on like a Zoom or Google Duo or Skype. I mean, just whatever different, you know, video chats, basically. And when you're working with Like children that have been abused and parents who have been either abusive or neglectful. And they've worked on it. They've earned the right, you know, they've proven themselves effective parents. And that's why we put them back in the home. But still, you know, they need that transition time can be pretty stressful. And not getting in the home and actually seeing things, that was really stressful. Kids, truancy issues, like were crazy in the spring. So many kids were not signing on to do their schoolwork, uh, not getting their homework done. So that was, you know, and, and we're still in my position, I still have to account to the court and like guardian ad litems and different, uh, you know, other systems about what's going on with my parents and how St. Francis was supporting them. And it's really hard to offer really great support through uh, twice a month, Google Duo, you know what I mean? So that was a challenge. Starting in June, we could get back out into the community. Whoever, whatever kids were placed just in Emporia, we could see. And then slowly over the summer, they've widened our scope of where we can get out and do visits. And so now we're back to business as usual, except for we're supposed to, as much as possible, try to have visits in the community or outside. Masks are not optional. When we have kids or families come, because we've just, uh, our office isn't necessarily open for business, like people can't just pop in or whatever, but we can have scheduled meetings. And when we have families or other people come in for meetings, we have to, you know, check their temperature, make sure that they mask, make them wash their hands, all that stuff. So that's a completely different way of doing business than than we had been doing before.
0: Do you think that you said you had a lot of truancy issues? Do you think that part of that might have been caused by not having like the technology or internet at home?
1: No, there. That I think there's some truth to that. We have some kids that we have. We had one little one that lived between, I want to say, off of 99. Like they're going right smack dab between Americus, Emporia, and Allet, and they had crappy cell phone or um, any kind of internet, any kind of signal. And so that child was getting packets to do. And so that was fine, but they couldn't do it. And then there were other kids that, and another child that I worked with, another teenager that worked in South, Ly- or lived in South Lyon County, she had problems having consistent internet connection because she lived so far out in the country that some days, like depending on the way the wind would blow. And that's really not much of an exaggeration on whether or not she could use her Wi-Fi or her internet to get onto school. And then some kids were just overwhelmed. I did work with one young lady that truancy was an issue for her before, and that was kind of why she was in care. But also, she was pretty overwhelmed with having to do all of her classes through zoom and trying to stay on top of her assignments and so she just shut down and just i mean i think the whole i mean i think everything in her life just was overwhelming to her at that time so she just kind of shut down luckily i'm very proud of her she's doing much better now so yeah i mean as an adult i my coping skills have been uh, not always the best in the last six months <laughs> i'm not kidding <laughs>
0: When do you think that we will get back to what we consider to be normal, or do you think that we will?
1: I have just canceled 2020. Like, for me, uh, like, I don't plan on, yeah, like, I don't plan on doing anything. Like, I don't know nothing. I would really like to see, I'm hoping, that that magical turn of the calendar from Mm -hmm. December to January Will like wipe us clean and we'll have like a nice fresh start to 2021. But I do really think that I think that things are, I think certain things are here to change, are here for good. I think it's quite possible that at least periodic mask wearing is going to be the thing. Um, Social distancing, I hope, continues to be a thing. I love the one thing, I'm a super outgoing talkative social butterfly, but I I really still do like at the store, you know, I'm one of those few people, and I don't always, uh, but the arrows, I like that. I like the whole having to stand six feet apart in line, so I hope that that's something that continues. As far as normal and getting back, I think we're stubborn enough, you know, um, enough of the population isn't following guidelines now, and I just don't see, I I think even the people that are taking this seriously are going to get tired of not going places, tired of not doing anything, so I don't know. I mean, I think we're probably going to be struggling with different kinds of viruses, bacteria, whatever. I mean, we have 7 billion people in the world and not enough to sustain us, and I think that that's going to be an issue that we're going to be dealing with, so... But as far as like, is it going to be life changing? I think that we're we're going to continue to struggle with different things, and we're still going to can struggle with people who, I want to go to my motorcycle rally in Sturgis and fuck America. I want my I want to ride my bike and drink my beer and show off my boobs. And I think we have enough people like that that I think it's just yeah. So I don't know. I think I I think it's going to be different, but I also think that we're stubborn enough or selfish enough that there we're going to deal with
0: pockets of outbreaks of things probably. <laughs> Forever. How has the pandemic impacted your relationship with your family and your friends? I haven't like my very
1: closest friends because they all live, I've seen one of my closest friends. She's came, she's come from Texas and we did spend some time together just because she's one of my best friends and she was in town and she was having a hard time not getting to see them as much. We have had a couple of FaceTime drink nights You know, so that's been kind of fun, but it doesn't replace. There's other ways that it's impacted my relationships. Like I have family members that I don't spend a whole lot of time with because I know that they're anti-maskers and they're big believers that this is just a hoax. And I don't feel like they're doing what they need to do to keep themselves safe. So I don't trust them to like, I'm not going to put myself, I'm not going to hang out with them. Politically, they piss me off. Secondly, I think it's just dangerous. So that as far as my my relationships and my friendships, yeah, I mean, I've managed to maintain them. It's just not the same. And one thing I'm I I've noticed about myself is even as things are opening back up, like I've been introverted enough or not introverted, but I've been a homebody enough that My interest in going out and doing a whole bunch of things has really waned. I mean, I used to be involved in so many things and like, now I'm like, we can't do that in Zoom (laughs) or uh, maybe I'll just stay home and skip
0: it tonight. So we'll see. (laughs) Have you found yourself picking up new habits, new hobbies during this time?
1: No, I wish, you know what I mean? I know that, oh, it's time to write. I, I like to write. I go for walks a lot. I read a lot, but these are things I did before. I'm just probably, at first I wasn't reading as much because my, the first few months, like I said, my mom died in January, and so it's just been really a a tough year dealing with all that things. but now I'm getting to a place where I'm back to reading a lot, probably more than I was even last year, so I wish I could say that I'm baking or sewing or doing TikToks with my kids or anything like that, but nah, I'm just doing more stuff just at home, just spending more time at home. I'm obsessively playing solitaire, pyramid solitaire. I play, I can do that for hours. Like every day, I probably spend an hour, hour and a half playing pyramid solitaire every day.
0: That sounds fun though.
1: Yeah, at my, I was in therapy when I, after my mom died, I was in therapy and it coincided with the start of uh, the, you know, plague 2020. And I was telling my therapist about my obsession with solitaire or pyramid solitaire or I'm probably blanking out on the names, the one with the Chinese tiles that you met, ma- that you match. Thank you, Mahjong. And she's like, well, you know, that's, that's your brain wants to keep engaged, but it also wants not to be thinking about everything going on. And so this is a way, like a part of your brain that is like keeping you like sharp, but not focusing on like how bad. And once she told me it was a justifiable coping skill, I was like, woohoo, good for me,
0: so. (laughs) And speaking of that, how has the pandemic uh, impacted your mental health?
1: The first few months, was pretty rough, especially with everything else going on. I got to say probably May and June were probably pretty rough because by then I was starting to, you know, like feeling tired of it, worried about it. I have, uh, my dad is pretty sickly. He's a cancer survivor and he's got a lot of health issues. Uh, My daughter works at a nursing home and so it's been one of the hot spots in Emporia and she's 17 years old and she's can name off five or seven, 10 people that have died of COVID this summer that she's worked with in the nursing home. And then with everything going on with uh, racial injustice and the riots and the protests and, you know, the people who are against COVID are also against protesting and generally, not always, but I don't want to make too general of statements, but it's what I've noticed is they seem to go hand in hand and It's just very frustrating because there's a part of me this whole year, because my mom died, that I'm like, my language is going to be rough here. You fucking sons of bitches, you need to stop being an asshole because my mom died and all I want to do is grieve her right now. I'm tired of thinking about all the other jerk faces who think COVID's a hoax and racial equality is not an issue. And I I felt resentful. I want to heal my grief. And instead, because who I am, I can't, I can't just focus on my grief, like all these other issues, I have to, I feel like I have to take a stand and I have to donate money or I have to whatever, you know, my, I I feel okay now, I feel better now. I got my anti-anxiety medication that at a higher dose can be treated for depression, and so I got it bumped up to that dose. So that's really helped stabilize my mood a little.
0: There's been a lot of not great things that have come out of this. Have you seen anything that you would consider to be positive that have resulted from the changes that we've had to go through?
1: I feel like that young people aren't as complacent as as they've been in the past They haven't, they, I mean, young people are spirited, they have opinions, but I feel like young people, high school students, college students are more, um, they're activated for the most part. I mean, I, I feel like they're really speaking out and doing things that they didn't necessarily do before. I think it's just reached a point where they have a call for advocacy and they're stepping up. So if anything else, I really hope that no matter how this year turns out or how we go in, I hope we don't lose that sense of urgency that activists and advocates are feeling, especially the young people, because we really need them to step up and be a part of the fabric of everything that's going on.
0: Is there anything that we haven't covered these questions that you'd like to talk about before we wrap up for today?
1: No, I mean, I think that covers just about everything. I. Don't know that I have anything else new or different to say about it. I mean, I know it's been rough for everyone. I know my patients have been tested. I I try not to be bitter and angry against people who are not on the same wavelength as I am about everything that's going on. But it's definitely a challenge, mm-hmm. and I'm hoping with a chance, I'm going to be positive and say with the change of leadership that will happen in November, that things will get easier. I don't think anything's going away. Racial injustice was here before President Trump. It'll still be here after he's gone. I just hope that we, the citizens, do something about it. Same with healthcare. I mean, that's the thing I think that this COVID-19 situation has exposed. Mm -hmm. I guess that's the one thing I do wanna say. It's just exposed so many issues that we have with our healthcare, educational system, people in poverty, racial inequity. I mean, you name whatever, I think COVID-19 kind of conglomerates all these issues that have felt differentiated, but now, like, it's just brought to the forefront a lot of things, and again, that call to advocacy, I hope people continue to be as passionate in 2021 as they are in 2020, because let's face it, sometimes middle-class white people, when things start getting better for us, we become complacent and I hope we don't. We can't be complacent. Well,
0: Michelle, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you being willing to participate in this project.
1: No problem, it was nice seeing you again, Molly.